Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Yeah, just wrapping up here at the uh, Hunt Expo, Western Hunt Expo, and uh, we've been across the aisle from uh, Ozcut Broadheads. <laughs> That's it, we've been Expo neighbors. Yeah, the whole, the whole show, it's been a... Man, it's been crazy. If you've never been to these expos, just I can't remember the number of people that came through, but they It was crazy. It's been yeah. a crazy full on four days. I think it was last night at dinner there was was there twenty thousand that had gone through in three, three days. Three days, yeah. yeah. So the four so all up. Who knows how many more came through today, maybe twenty five thousand total or something, but it was a record. Um but yeah, so Ozcut Broadheads, um remind me your first name because i'm nick nick because i'm terrible so many names this weekend so yeah. many names well and i'm the worst anyway um but yeah nick uh ozcut broadheads and uh you know we were intrigued we sat down and looked at this uh, some of the stuff he's got and so you're from australia you from australia came all the way out yeah. yeah flew all the way over for the expo and it's it's been great i've had an awesome time over here um met a lot of cool people off instagram faces to names finally it's been great and you're, uh, is that right, that you're partnered with a guy here in the U.S., in fact, right here out of Salt Lake, his name's Sawyer? Yeah, Sawyer Peacock, he helps me out a fair bit. He's my, my guy in the States, I guess, but we're an Aussie-based company, which is growing pretty rapidly, starting to get a bit of traction over here in the States with your elk hunters and yep. a few muley hunters. It's good. Um, how long you guys, How long you been around? What's kind of your story there? Tell your story of your company. Okay, so we've got a bit of a backstory. Uh, me personally, I'm a bit of an OCD freak with my gear. I like everything to be perfect. Uh, and about five years ago in Australia, there was a bit of a lull in the market. We we had a brand of broadhead which went which went down the drain. It was really hard for us to get two blade broadheads, which we commonly use over there. Um, I bought a couple of brands of heads and I had a few failures and things like that. And to me, that wasn't right. So I thought to myself, you know what? I can make something better here. So I've set out and I made a 185 grain solid steel two blade broadhead. And I sold that to a few of my mates and a couple of guys I knew and we started using that. And a few people called on and like, hey, can I have some as well? And along the line, it sort of grew into a few broadheads that I started making and I guess Two years ago, I thought to myself, you know what, I can do something here. We've got a good product. We're producing. It's growing. I'm going to go all out. And Ozcut really started to grow as a brand about two years ago. And here we are now over here in Utah. And then so it started as basically as you filling a niche for yourself, uh, a product failure or whatever that you felt like there wasn't something there and you were just building them for yourself to start yeah, with. Yeah, that's it. I guess you could say it was born out of necessity. I, I wanted a strong, durable broadhead that I could rely on. So I went ahead and made it myself. That's cool, man. Yeah, it's been a big journey here so far, but the principles are still the same. The broadheads I produce, I wouldn't make them unless I used them myself and can trust them 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all fixed blade broadheads. All fixed blade broadheads. Our main flagship series, which are elite series, we do a two and three blade in those from 100 to 175 grain. But for those who aren't too familiar for those, they're, they start off as a solid block of steel, I guess. And then milled down with a CNC machine, 
into a finished broadhead. So there's no welds, no moving parts, no threads, no bolts. Just a super simple, solid, straight-up, reliable design. Yeah. Talk about offering um, more weights, you know, high, uh, heavier grain broadheads because that's that's something, frankly, that I think the, the Western U.S. market um, is maybe – maybe struggles with or um you know we we tend to want um faster lighter arrows you know that's that's kind of the the selling point nowadays even with you see it with bows you know ibo speeds and everyone gets excited when a bow hits you know 350 ibo and that's that's a big selling point talk about why you would shoot heavier heads maybe why they're more popular in australia and just kind of that whole theory behind a heavier uh, head up front yeah for sure so over here, what I've noticed, the main demographic, you guys want a 100-grain broadhead. You want a fast arrow. Over in Australia, we're a little bit different to that. I would say a 125 would be our most popular head, followed closely by a 150. So that's 25 to 50% heavier than what you guys would typically have up front. But what we're looking for over in Australia, we want the penetration out of our broadheads. Necessarily, we're not, as, we're not prone to taking long shots like you guys typically. Um, most of our hunting's 40 yards and under. A lot of guys will keep it. And, and essentially what we want, we shoot a two-blade broadhead typically, most guys over there. So lots of penetration with that. And obviously as you go heavier with that, you get even more penetration yeah. again. So the idea with the more weight is we take a shot that's quartering on, quartering away, come into contact with a shoulder blade, things like that. You've got the extra weight up front that you can physically break through that shoulder bone and get into the vitals and most of the time get a pass through so i guess it opens up a lot more shooting opportunities you've got a buck that comes you call a buck in he comes in quarters on no dramas with a two blade just smack it in there break that shoulder get into the vitals and get the job done so and in australia the speed thing we don't measure arrow speed like it's very rare for guys to put their bows through a chrono or anything like that so we just shoot a big heavy broadhead typically two blade and keep it r relatively close that's interesting because it's almost the opposite out here no one no one cares um as you know the, the biggest thing that guys care about it seems like is what their feet per second is you know yeah. out of their out of their arrow and everyone's looking for maybe over 300 feet a second and the, that's fine you know speed is fine but you run into a couple of problems with with just speed um one is it's harder to tune it's harder to sure. it's harder to get an arrow to calm down and tune when it's going that fast um, i know the sweet spot for me is around 285 grains yep. now at a 30 inch and 30 and a half inch draw with an 80 pound bow that means that i i ha not only do i need to i have to bump my arrow weight up to like I'm pushing, I have to push my 570 grain arrow now yep. to get it to slow down to 285 feet. Yep. And so the, that's the first thing, and that's what their sweet spot is for me with tunability. Um, but then the other thing is um, that the guys, aren't, guys aren't, I don't think guys are factoring in the right equation. And what I mean by that is there's a kinetic energy measurement with arrows and hunting and, and archery, and there's a momentum yeah. And, and whether the Australians or whoever you're talking about, you know, it, it doesn't have to be Australians, just anyone that understands a heavier head up front understands is they understand that momentum is more important than kinetic energy. For sure, for sure. You know, by, by definition, kinetic energy only measures the force that something has up into... It's potential. Yeah, it's yeah. potential, yeah. Which, which, is, which is crazy because 
it doesn't have anything to do with once it impacts something. That's correct. Yeah. Momentum, on the other hand, is an uh, object's ability to push through something. And keep going forward. And keep yeah. going forward. And that's all, by definition, that's what archery is. Yeah, that's it. And, and so for years, you know, I've been running a 125-grain head. Now, I actually, I, so what I do now is I run my 100-grain head. But I, I was, you know, and I was explaining this to you the other day. Um, yep. And I, I back my regular insert up. And, and sink in behind it a 75 or a 50 grain brass insert to get the extra weight. And we, we talked about, um, you know, the advantages, but it, it's just interesting to me. And I, I wonder, um, you know, how many guys have, you know, ran into problems or m- maybe you even have some stories or customers or whatever that try to run, you know, too light of an arrow and, and they don't get the penetration that they need. And I, I don't know, it's just an interesting um, talking point in archery because it's, it's such a, I think it's a misconceived. Uh, it definitely is. And one thing that we're lucky with, as a whole, we have no hunting seasons. We have no tags. <laughs> we, we have seasons in some states for a limited number of deer, but that's the extent of it. So us Aussies, we're lucky we can hunt year round 365. So that allows us to, like, last year I had a slow year and probably shot 40 animals back <laughs> home. So the year before it was 85, 90, something like that. So we get to do a lot of testing in the field, I guess. We get yeah. to put a lot of broadheads through animals. And when you're starting to put that number of animals on the ground, you really start to fine-tune your setup and you get to know what works. So we can afford to experiment a little bit over the years, whereas if you guys, you get your elk tag, you go out, that's it for the season, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. make or break. Um, and we get to, you might fail, say you fail one year, you have to wait another nine months essentially until you can go again. Yeah. Uh, reset everything go again with your setup whereas us it's next weekend yeah <laughs> so yeah we're pretty fortunate with that over in australia and the the heavy two blade broadhead thing something it's been the bow hunting culture for a lot of time now and it's, well, it's pretty well accepted you know and there's a reason that traditional archers typically you see shooting a two blade heavier much heavier weight up front yeah uh setup because they can't make up for any of that with speed they just can't do it yeah um, for sure that's you know. it so it's got the least amount of resistance and the least amount of things to go wrong. It's simplistic in design, but super effective. Talk about um, longer range accuracy and kind of what uh, you know what what you guys do to test that, or if there's you know because nowadays in archery, I mean it's it's like long range hunting with rifles. I mean guys, not that guys want to hunt that far necessarily. Well, they do. I know there's plenty of guys that shoot um, you know deer with their bows out to 100 yards, but at least you know. I, I kind of want I want to know that my broadhead's tuned out to 80, 90 yards yeah, for sure. so that I know a 50, 60-yard shot is no problem. You know, cool. I don't know. Talk about just long-range uh, archery shooting and kind of how that relates to your broadheads maybe. Yeah, for sure. So one thing, the construction of our broadheads are made of a high-carbon-grade tool steel. So that typically is a very dense steel, which results in the broadheads uh, being smaller and, I guess, stouter in design due to the density of the steel. So... Typically, our 100 and 125 grain heads, they're taking up very little surface area for their cutting diameters. So, as we all know, your broadhead's flight is obviously affected by its surface area catching the catching the wind. So, we've got guys that will shoot our 125 grain heads out to 80, 90 yards. But one main difference we have as well is 
I won't produce a broadhead with vents in it. Um, you get more accuracy with a vented broadhead, obviously, and you can create a larger broadhead. But more, no more noise too. A lot of noise. Um, that's one thing we are really big on is having a super quiet arrow set up back home. So our deer are extremely flighty. They get hunted year round. They get shot at, things like that. So they're always on edge. Um, and we're all about quietening our setup. So that's another thing with a heavy broadhead, heavy arrow, solid broadhead. You can't be faster than a deer that jumps your string, but you can certainly make it less likely to jump the string with a quieter setup. Well, I mean, you know, the if you look at the numbers on on sound versus speed, um, the the speed of sound travels roughly four times faster than any bow setup any it. arrow setup you yeah. know you're maybe even if you're the 300 feet per second guy sound is around 1200 feet a second yeah and so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how fast you get a, an arrow going um if it's not whisper quiet he's got four times longer to react to that if you know if the noise gets there first that's it then, you're never going to catch him with speed no. you're never going to catch a deer yep yeah that's that's interesting um you know it's Man, this this speaker guy just is interrupting our party here. Yeah, he, ha he hasn't said much all day up until now. <laughs> so we started our podcast. But anyway, we'll let him go. Yeah, no, it's no worries. Um, no, that's interesting about the the steel because that allows a guy like me. You know, in the states, I'm trying to whittle my my actual head down. You know, I I, I make up for the weight with an insert so that I can shoot a smaller hundred grain head that takes up less surface area. Yeah, that's right. And what you're saying is, I could still probably your 125 grain head would take up the same surface area as a, a broadhead with not as dense of steel. Yeah, so your typical alloy construction heads, it's probably going to be the same, if not less, surface area as those. So, yeah, it allows you to shoot a, tip, a, a slightly heavier head, get that better FOC up the front again as well. Interesting. Um, what is the price point uh, for some of your, just generally? So I'll speak in US dollars for you guys. Typically, um, the equation with the conversion, which we sell online, works out to about 37 to $38 US. Um, and what I say to guys with these heads is, you're going to replace them if you lose them. That's it. Um, we've had guys in Australia, including myself, shoot up to 15 animals with the one broadhead before before losing it. So just resharpening, just obviously. resharpening, giving him a touch up and going again. That's that's the beauty of that carbon tool steel. It's just so durable. Do you? Um I, every broadhead sharpens a little differently. Do you have like a recommendation, or is it just kind of common sense? Um, you know, some broadheads they. I don't know. What, what what do you recommend for sharpening? Uh, so with our two-blade uh, range of heads, we've actually got a broadhead sharpener called the Two Easy Sharpener, okay. which we've developed, um, obviously developed for an Oscar broadhead, but it'll fit 90% of other two-blade broadheads on the market. And it's just a super, super simple two-sided angled sharpening device that I've had at expos, I've had 12-year-old kids using sharpening <laughs> their broadheads with. Yeah. So it's really easy for guys to do that. So it's got the bevel set put it in the jig and, and off you go. And with our three blades, we just recommend guys um, sharpening them flat on a stone in a forwards direction. Okay. Two blades flat, push them forward and away you go. It, it's a relatively simple process. Do you uh, Have you hunted out west often or have you hunted out here yet? No, I haven't hunted out here yet, but this year uh, in September, I'll hopefully be uh, flying into Montana and hopefully get into, get into an elk over there, kill oh, a bull. Yeah. So that's going to happen. That's maybe the one state one of the few states i haven't hunted but i know there's plenty of elk up there yeah i've uh, got a good contact there who can put me into some good areas he's told me so i'll take some local insight over anything so head over there and give it my best prefer uh, elk over mule deer 
Oh, certainly. See, <laughs> all us Aussies, we sort of fascinate over your guys' elk. Everyone wants to come over and hunt an elk. The fascination with the muleys isn't quite there, but <laughs> once I get an elk under my belt, we'll look at a muley. So. Yeah. Talk about um, a guy maybe from the States that wants to go hunt Australia and just like some really basic starting points of you know what to expect and best times to come maybe and all that kind of stuff so obviously us being in the southern southern hemisphere compared to you guys our seasons are opposite Mm -hmm. our deer rut is march april uh, for our fallow and reds typically in new south wales which is the state i live in Um, but as far as coming down and hunting in australia you need to apply for a general hunting license which basically is a simple test um Everyone I know passes it. Um, That's to hunt deer only for pest species such as our pigs, goats, everything like that. You can pretty much rock up. If you've got access or know someone, you can go hunting with them with a bow and away you go. So we've got a lot of opportunity to do, I guess, to hunt for a large number of animals in Australia. Typically where I'm from, we have pigs, goats, deer, cats, foxes and dogs in the mountains around home. Dingoes. Dingoes, that's it, yeah. I've always wanted to shoot one of those ever since um, Quigley Down Under. <laughs> yeah. They're, um, they're a very smart animal, though, the dingoes. We have them in our mountains around home, and there's one, in, one big dog in particular um, that I've been chasing for a couple of months now, and I've had two close encounters with. But, um, yeah, he's still out there. Kangaroos, too. You hunt kangaroos? No. Uh, kangaroos are illegal to hunt with a bow um, in Australia. They're, they're a national emblem. Um, but You're like shooting an eagle. Pretty much. Yeah. That's what I say to you guys. You guys don't shoot a bald eagle, do you? <laughs> but, um, You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they, they actually get in pretty crazy numbers. They, there is circumstances where they have to be culled out by landowners and things like that, so they'll apply for a tag and, and cull them out. But they get in huge numbers in droughts and things like that. They'll congr- congregate around our water sources and be in the tens of thousands. Yeah. Like you'll drive along the road and there'll be a dead roo every 200 yards. It, it, it's out of control. What, uh, so is, and, and you might have, maybe I missed this, but did you, uh, could a guy do a DIY, like fly to Australia and realistically do a DIY or should you hook up with someone or? In Australia, we do have some public land that's accessible. Typically the hunting isn't as great, but you're still going to have the opportunities there. So that's in Victoria in the high country. There's a lot of public land hunting you can do there for Samba deer, but that's about it. Back, like back country? Back country, back, back country bow hunting, Samba deer. Up in our alpine regions, it's pretty epic. Um, that's very accessible for guys. You get a game license in Victoria, find your parks, and away you go. Um, in New South Wales, it's a little bit different, and it's a bit more private land orientated, but there's so many guys willing to take you guys out from the States and show you hunting in Australia. With social media these days, it's so easy to link up with a few guys, organize a hunt, rock up, and away you go. Well, and, you know, you see this all the time in the West um, within states over here. A guy from, you know, Nevada wants to go hunt up in Montana, and he'll he'll try to get someone to help him by saying, hey, if you ever come hunt Nevada, I'll help you out. And the problem with that is we all kind of understand, um, you know, we understand the West well enough that a guy from Montana doesn't need a ton of help to go hunt Nevada. On the other hand, a guy coming from Australia to try to hunt elk out in the West, like he, he's a foreign environment. He's as clueless as I am about going to Australia to hunt anything over there. And so I think there, there's probably a huge opportunity to just reciprocate, get on social media, find someone 
you know, from Australia that, that you click with, um, you know, and, and you got to be careful with stuff like that. But if you find someone that, you know, and, and say, Hey man, like I live in Idaho, um, or whatever, and we've got some good over the counter elk hunting, like, you know, do you have any pointers and we can, you know, kind of coordinate something. I'm sure that's easier, you know, easier said than done, but it's got to be Yeah, and I think that's the best way to do it. Local knowledge, you can't beat it, you know. Social media these days, we all know guys who hunt in other countries, and that's exactly what I plan on doing with my hunt this year. So know some guys who can hook me up in Montana. Hey, go here, check out this unit, check out this spot. Whereas if if not, I'd be coming in blind. Just off research off the internet, obviously I'd have some idea, but again, you can't beat that local knowledge. And it's the same back home. Um, Well, like, oh, is is there like, you know, there's a couple big hunting forums that are U.S. Uh, popular in the U.S. Are, are you guys on the same type of hunting forums or is there like a specific one that guys could look for or I don't know, maybe like you may, maybe it's just social media pages? A, a lot of social media. We do have one por- uh, sorry forum page, which is the Australian Bow Hunting Forum. Okay. Uh, I guess that's the only solely bow hunting forum in Australia. But social media these days, everyone knows someone. Like me over here, I've met so many guys that I've known on social media for years, but I've never actually had the opportunity to speak face-to-face with them. Now you know us, too. That's it, man. (laughs) Expo neighbors. Yeah, expo neighbors from clear across the country. Um, Talk real quick about your accent and how many girls that gets you. Because personally, I know it's drawn me in. Um, I'm enamored by, you know, we love your guys' accent. So what? What yeah. has that done for yeah. you? Oh, it's definitely a uh, point of interest for sure. Yeah. Like you guys say, they hear you talk and they spin around and they'll they'll come over and listen to you. Yeah. And, uh, people come over and talk to you and just want to hear you talk for your <laughs> accent. They don't listen to what you're saying. They just they're just listening to the accent. So well, if it sounded like I wasn't paying attention earlier, that was why I was yeah, just like. Yeah, you've probably <laughs> understood about ten words I've said yeah. this whole time. So no. apparently we speak a lot faster than you guys, and some people have had some difficulty understanding me, but. You get that? Oh, it's like uh, Adam Greentree's uh, Instagram stories or whatever. I could just sit and watch those for hours just to listen to him talk. You just know? listen to an Aussie yeah, ramble just on. Just listen to an Aussie talk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's awesome. It's all good. Well, it's uh, it's Sunday afternoon. It's breakdown day at the expo, and I know you guys have got your whole booth still set up, and yep. co- poor Corey's been uh, tearing down our booth while I'm sitting here podcasting. So, but this was this was a good one. Uh, broadheads and archery in general just intrigues me, and um, I was super impressed with what you had. Right now, I'm running. Um, this is another thing, real quick. I'm running a a deep six um, insert from Easton, and but now because okay, well, long story, but now they've come out with their new design, their new outsert. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's going to help a lot of guys out that want to shoot the deep six. It's going to open a lot of yeah. uh, new broadhead options for them, and obviously, you can now shoot an Ozcut on a deep yep. six arrow. Throw an Ozcut, um, you know, with those micro diameter arrows, um, it'll fit all of them, won't it? Yeah, even, it's even just the little four millimeter. Uh, yeah, yeah, it should do. Yep. Yeah, as far as I know, yeah. So really, you could run that outsert on any given Easton arrow, and I know there's other arrow companies too that already have yeah. you know outserts that fix that problem anyway. Yeah. So yeah, um, man, it really will open up you know broadhead designs and stuff like that. So that's that, it. Yeah, it gives everyone access to the same broadheads that yeah. I've been using. Like I, I use a uh, micro diameter Victory Vap. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a 95 grain shock outsert, which they do up the front. Um, and just for your guys' info, I run a 150 grain three blade Oz cut on that. So I've got 245 grains right at the tip there. A lot of FOC for which I think is 565 all up. Talk about, real quick, talk about, speaking of the outserts, real quick, talk about, um, you know, what you've seen your experience with. 
you know, maybe just like a practice arrow that you're missing and hitting in the dirt or maybe banging off a rock or something. Um, have you seen problems with those outserts still spin testing well? Or, you know, is it something you just expect that if you hit up a rock with an outsert, you're going to have to, you know, replace it? Or what's, what, what is your yeah, experience? Yeah, that's a good one, actually. I was actually talking to Adam Greentree about this earlier on. Um, we shoot similar styles, similar setups. And a couple of years ago, I was running the Victory outserts in the alloy models in the old style design they had. And even shooting an 80-pound bow into a dense target, I was finding that I was bending outserts on the target after shooting multiple times. Um, the reasoning, half the reasoning I now shoot their 95-grain stainless steel outsert is the strength of that. I can, I can miss if, if it goes through a target, you miss a target. You can hit an animal, get a pass-through, go into a rock. That 95-grain stainless shock outsert is tough as nails i haven't had any bend on me i haven't had arrows break yeah. and on animals i've never had an outsert or arrow fail on me in the last 18 months which has been awesome it's a super tough setup and i've got a lot of confidence in it so that's why i've stuck with it for a long time now cool. so yeah the, you shoot a strong outsert and, it, and it's a lot of uh a lot of benefit for you guys i guess yeah. but you've just got to experiment and get the right one what works you know makes sense yeah okay nick from Ozcut broadheads um where where can uh, where's the best place to find you? Obviously, you have a website. Yeah, so our website's just www.ozcutbroadheads.com. Um, we ship worldwide with fr free shipping over $100 for you guys, so it works out pretty well with the exchange rate. Which, you know, if you're 37 40 bucks for a pack, who doesn't need, you know, nine broadheads basically for yeah. a year? You know, buy three three packs, um, and that should get you over the 100 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And then, you know, then you're set for the season and you get free shipping anyway, so... Yeah. Um, social media? Yeah, definitely check us out. We obviously got the the Facebook page, but we're really active on our Instagram. So got a big, actually a big following over here in Utah, which has <laughs> been good. So yeah, go and check us out on Instagram. Throw us a follow on there and see what we're all about. Cool. So every guest that I have on, um, we we do a fire round, and I'm I'm interested because you're from Australia, so. Um, these are just kind of real quick questions, you okay. know, just kind of this or that. You're scaring me now. Yeah. <laughs> Here it comes. He didn't tell me about this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. No, it's funny, though, because the first one that I always ask, guys, is fixed blade versus mechanical for archery. So I think you can answer that yeah, question you're, for you're me. You're definitely a fixed blade. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Everything on his wall is fixed blade. Um, and I don't have my notes in front of me, but so I'll try to rattle them off. Um, have you ever rifle hunted? I have a little bit back in the day, um, but it was a bit more for pest control type things. So, so if you let's say you, I'm, I'm curious. Let's say you're going to come to the states and hunt elk with a rifle. What caliber would you choose? <laughs> to start with, that wouldn't happen. Um, <laughs> I couldn't shoot one with a rifle now, being huh? such a diehard bow hunter. But obviously, something around that 300 cal, you know, Shoot. 300 wind mag or something. I, I'd assume so. Yeah. Um, we already answered this too, elk, antelope, or mule deer. Yeah, so definitely a big bull elk. What, so what's your favorite Australian species? Um, myself, I'm a little bit different. I'm an absolute diehard mountain boar hunter. I love hunting our big mountain boars in the hills. They are a super elusive animal. Um, boar, like pigs? Yeah, yeah boar. Okay. So I've had a lot of success in the last few years. I've sort of got them nailed, and they are my absolute favorite animal to hunt yeah. by far. Um. You know, this one, so one one state, you know, I always ask guys what state, if they could only hunt one U.S. state, maybe yours would be Montana. Is I'd that say kinda... so, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about the bears there, but, you know, from all accounts, that's a good chance on a good bull there for me. So, yeah. But obviously, 
the research I've done hasn't been that great so far, but everything's pointing me to that direction. Yeah, that's a good spot. Um, how about your dream hunt? Dream hunt? Um, obviously, it'd be to draw a bull elk in a really good unit over here. That That's something we'll look for, look towards in the next few years as I put in for some tags and points. I was going to ask, do you uh, are you running the point system and all that kind Not of stuff? Not yet, but um, Sawyer sort of helped me out, yeah. and we're going to start from this year. you got to be in it to win it. It's tough, man, and it is. it is. It's like a long game. Um, yeah, just you just got to pick a few states and start. Um, backcountry food item. What's your favorite backcountry food item? Backcountry food item. That's a good question. I don't typically do too much backcountry backpack hunting. Um, a lot of ours is... Um, based day hunts, I guess, mm-hmm. but food item. Hmm. Even for a daily food item, what do you throw in your pack? A daily food item. This is my specialty uh, staple food that I run. I run turkey mince with rice on a wrap. That's my specialty. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that. L- load up on the carbs, <laughs> bit of protein, bit of animal fats in there. Get me through the day. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that goes all right for me. Okay. Um, yeah, that's all the ones I can think of. I've got maybe one more, but I don't have my notes. So, um yeah, the other thing I do before I, I'll ask you, I'll, I'll ask you one more question um, that I always ask everyone, and, and I'll modify it for you a little okay, bit. But right, yeah. um, I always like to give my guests credit, and even though you know I, I kind of just met you and just became aware of what you're doing, um, definitely want to give you credit for man jumping on a plane and just entering the U.S. market and coming over here and jumping in the middle of it. Um, for me, that even if I owned the product, that would be intimidating to just jump on a plane and go to a trade show in Australia, um, you know, and just, I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. We appreciate you coming over. Thanks, man. Um, give you credit for owning your own company. Um, I think that that's, that's you know, incredible. Honestly, yeah, you. you know, it's like, it's like the American dream, quote unquote, you know. And yep. so to us, there's, there's nothing more, uh, you know, impressive than just a guy that follows his dreams and starts his own company and does his thing. So thanks, man. Yeah, and I guess it it's not as hard as it seems when it's something you're so passionate about. Right. You know, like I love bow hunting. I love coming talking bow hunting. These expos are awesome. Meeting like-minded people like yourself. Yeah, everyone in the industry. I love it. So I look forward to doing a lot more of it into the future. It's been awesome. And then the last thing I have to give you credit for is just having the accent of an Australian God. So Thanks. thank you for Thanks, just mate. letting me listen to you, <laughs> like letting me listen to you for 30 minutes. That's <laughs> nah, been good. It's been good chat, man. Cool. Um, so here's my question for you. The last question. Um, you said this a few times, the last question. Yeah, I know. That's how this podcast goes. <laughs> Why do you want to hunt elk in the United States? I guess the appeal of that larger animal, that, the images of a bugling bull is what we all see. September's here, you know, them bugling bulls in the hills, like typical scenes in Colorado and things like that. Us as Aussies, we look to that and then we go, that, that, that's a step above our red stags we have, you know, like that's, that's what we see as the pinnacle, I guess. So they're just such a beautiful, awesome creature to look at. And like, I'm in awe of those things, seeing the footage and all that. And I'd love to get into some rutting bull action. So that's, that's what we see as a pinnacle as a whole, I believe. So. Awesome. Nick yeah. from Ozcut Broadheads, man. Thanks, Thanks for man. coming on. It's been great, Dustin. Yep. Glad we got we'll it We'll do in. it again next year, hey? Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.